I want to share a quick story as they're walking out because this is just the mind of a child. Uh, Megan and I were driving home yesterday, and um, we heard this conversation happening in the background that they didn't really know we were listening to. Those are the best, right? <laughs> when your babies start talking amongst one another and, uh, and they don't know you, you're hearing them. And so the conversation went something like this. I'm not sure what was said up to that point. I just heard this part. Emery, if you don't believe in Jesus and live for him, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. I'm like, I look, I mean, as soon as I heard, I looked over at Megan, and she just kind of chuckled up because I haven't been, like, telling her about hell. <laughs> that hasn't been, like, we do Bible studies and, and devotions together, but it doesn't focus on hell, like, with my six-year-old, I promise. And then it continues, and Emery's like, okay. She said, no, no, like, if you believe in Jesus and you live for him, then you go to heaven. But if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell, Emery. And Emery's like, I believe, I believe, I believe in him. So they're having this where Emery's justifying. I just thought you'd like that. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Listen, we want to talk about the blessed life for the next couple of weeks. Next week, we've got uh, Pastor Gary Sapp from the district office coming in. Um, he is uh, with an organization called One Child Matters. He's also the state missions director. He does that part for free. He's a volunteer. Listen, this man, uh, he, he's got me just a little nervous about some of the things that he's going to say, and, and I hope he watches today. I'll send him a text and make sure he did, just because he's just not afraid to call it what it is. So if you like that, come on. If you don't, bring somebody else that doesn't. You guys can snuggle together throughout the service. You'll make it through. But he's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to share some things with us that we may not even know how to share. He's going to encourage you. Um, in ways that, that only he can encourage you. So be back with us next week for Pastor Gary. We've got a lot of other things the first week in September. We've got an evangelist named Michael Rowan and his wife Stephanie coming to be with us. We're going to have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a Monday night outreach. Uh, man, I, I really want to just tell you all the excitement that happens that we get to discuss on a weekly basis. But even more than that, I, I just want to encourage you to engage and, and pay attention, like get the bulletin, pay attention to Facebook, watch your emails, listen on Sunday morning. Don't miss what's going on because we couldn't get it all communicated to you at once. Here's what I want to communicate to you today. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, and this is our slogan for this series, is it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is truly more blessed to give than to receive. And listen, I know that that flies in the face of secular society and um, postmodernism. I know that it flies in the face of American ideology. But you need to understand that secular society defines success by stuff, okay? The more stuff that you have, the more successful you are. But heaven defines success according to this scripture. You must lose your life in order to find it. Whoever denies himself takes up his cross 
and follows me. Truly, that person is my disciple. Dying to self is not a principle that you're going to see in the next major Hollywood film. It's not going to happen. The idea of living a blessed life that includes you giving more to others and to life than you receive yourself is going to go against the grain of our culture. It is a cultural abnormality for me to say it is more blessed to give than to receive. But I don't want culture to affect how I live out Scripture. I want to have a greater effect on culture than it has on me. I want Scripture, the Word of God, to have a greater effect on my children than the atmosphere in which they have to spend the majority of their day five days a week for nine months a year. And the only way that I'm going to do that is if I abide in Christ and I apply what he says to my life and the effect of what Jesus is doing in and through me has a greater influence on them than the effect of the atmosphere that they spend all day. And in fact, I want my six-year-old to share the love of God with people at school. And if she can do it in the backseat of the Suburban with her little sister, you better bet your bottom dollar that she's on the campus at Eunice Elementary telling somebody you got to believe and live for Jesus so that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. And if a six-year-old can do it, then a 60-year-old can still do it. I wish somebody would be excited and even anxious about what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. It slaps culture in the face. It is a cultural abnormality. This morning, I want to talk to you about breaking the spirit of mammon. And I want to ask you this question. Who do we want to teach our children about finances? Who do we want our family to learn about finances from? Do we want our finances to be affected by visa commercials? By the government? Or do we want our finances and our children's finances, the way that they spend and steward, to be affected by the Word of God? Listen, I, I'm a U.S. cis. I love, I, love I love our nation. I love our country. Um, but I don't model my spending habits by the spending habits of our government, honestly, at any level. And I'm not against, I'm for, listen, I, I pray for them. I support them. I have told city officials, listen, anything that you need, you call us because we want to be there. We want to support you in, in molding and growing this community. We want to take in it on anything. I pray for our leaders, but... The way that our government spends money is comparable to an individual that makes $50,000 a year, spends $80,000 a year, and borrows $200,000 a year. Okay? I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek, but um, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon <laughs> to figure out I know, I said it wrong. I did it on purpose. I'm trying to make sure you're paying attention. To figure out that that's not going to last. Like, you can't keep going that way. You know, in my own home, we spend money a little bit differently. My wife will buy like 17 small things 
because they were a deal. I like save my money for the one big thing that I want, you know? Like she's like 17 pairs of shoes, I'm like one shotgun, you know? That's it, that's all I need. I get, I get Bass Pro cards and she's hoping I come home with like eight shirts that I can wear throughout the week and in the pulpit and I come home with bullets. It just, that's how we just spend money differently. Um, this, you know, when I see 25%, I'm looking at the number on the card and 25% off. So I take that number and I multiply it to 0.25 and I figure out that's like seven bucks. That's not a good deal. But my wife sees 25% and that's like half off. That's a bargain. That thing is on sale. And if she sees 50% off, it's free. Like you may as well just chalk it up, you know, because 50% off is the same thing as buy one, get one. It just logically makes itself happen and it's free. 75% we're making money. If she's ordering something online, I'll look at it and I'll be like, $3 shipping. That's not that bad. I'll buy it. You know, $3. $3 more. I got what I want. My wife sees $3 shipping. I'm not spending $3 on shipping. I'll spend $20 to get more stuff that I want to get free shipping. So I'll get everything I want and not have to pay for shipping. Infidelity and finances. Those are the things that are killing marriages. And so my objective today is to figure out, is there a system of thought that is related to us being in bondage over our finances? And, and maybe even more than a system, is there a spirit behind our perspective of finances? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 you can also, if you're flipping in your Bible, you can go and hold a mark on Luke chapter 16. I'm going to show you four places that the word mammon is mentioned in Scripture. Starting with just one verse in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Here's what it says. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Listen, you cannot serve God and mammon. Not money, mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, now turn Luke chapter 16. We're going to read verses 9 through 13. You're going to see the other three times that mammon is mentioned in Scripture. Verse 9, and I say to you, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Don't get hung up on that. We're going to come back to it. Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Verse 10. For he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Remember that word, true riches. Not riches, but true riches. Verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Verse 13 is a parallel to Matthew chapter 6. 
No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, so for us to move forward, it's important for us to understand what is mammon. If we can only serve one, God or mammon, we need to understand what is mammon. If you're taking notes, you can write these three questions down that I have. Number one is, what is mammon? If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write them down anyways, because you're not going to remember them if you don't write them down. Mammon is an Aramaic word that simply means riches. An Aramaic word that means riches. Now, mammon was actually a god, little g, of Babylon. Some of you remember Babylon in Scripture was the place that God caused confusion among the people because they were trying to be like God and build a tower of Babel to build a tower that was reaching unto the heavens. The same spirit behind Lucifer was the spirit that was pressing their pride to try to be like God. And God confused their languages. He called that place Babel on. Okay, Babel actually literally translates as confusion. Okay, so you have a God of riches originating in a land of confusion, and on means sown or planted into. Now, that gets a little frightening. So Babylon literally means sown or planted into confusion, and their God that Jesus is referencing was riches, mammon. So literally, it is riches, sown or planted into confusion. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound familiar? $50,000 sown or planted into spending $80,000 just to borrow $200,000. We're repeating the process. And the biggest problem is, is that there's not really a huge dividing line between the people of America in their finances, and the people of God in their finances. So we have to look and examine, are we serving riches as Babylon did, their God? Or are we serving God as he desires for us to do? See, we have a system that is sown and planted into confusion just like they did and and how else does spending more than you make ever work out? doesn't. We can't serve both God and mammon. I want you to make sure and notice that, that I didn't say money. The Bible doesn't say that you can't serve both God and money. It says God and mammon because it's addressing the spirit that rests on the money. There's a spirit that rests on the money, and that spirit is the God of riches mammon that originated in Babylon. And so today we have, just like our soul has a spirit that rests on it, it's either the spirit of Lucifer and the fallen nature or the spirit of Christ in the redeemed nature. There's another God likened unto Lucifer and mammon is a spirit that rests on our finances unless it's given in Christ and redeemed. So we either have the spirit of mammon on our finances 
or we have the Spirit of God on our finances. The Scripture tells us how we can make sure that our finances are submitted to God and purposed to God, and our finances, listen, this is very, that our finances, we don't try to replace God with mammon. And the way that we do that is to make sure that we bring the whole bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. It's the one thing that God says that he can that we can test him in. And I know some people I've had these conversations well tithing's in the Old Testament. We're not still bound by the law of the Old Testament. Tithing's not even in the New Testament. First of all, yes it is. I'll show it to you in just a minute. But secondly, so is adultery and murder and lying. And we're not just running free and all that stuff. So why do we lay some down and pick some up and pick and choose which one we still want to abide by when Romans 3.31 says that my faith causes me to uphold the law? So tithing is an important part of my Christian walk. How do I know? Because Jesus told the Pharisees, It's good that you tithe. Now, he told the Pharisees, it's not good that you take so much substance in your tithing that you neglect the more important things. But he didn't say that that wasn't a piece of the puzzle. He said, it's good that you tithe. In fact, I love the passage in Malachi chapter 3 that all that I have to do, I believe this, okay? Listen, if you don't believe this, that's okay. We can talk about it. You don't even have to leave. You don't have to tithe. I believe this, and it's a personal conviction So therefore, it's a personal discipline that we walk through this as a family and we have seen God show himself faithful. So we bring the whole tithe, the first fruits, not just 10%, but the first fruit, the first 10%, the part that God has called us to, we bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. And the Bible says that when you do that, you open the windows of heaven, and God will pour out a blessing that you cannot contain, and he will rebuke. It's like, so if you call right now, I know, I'm sorry, that's a little much, but, but it's, a, it's a promise in Scripture, and I don't know why we don't, why we don't hold on to it, and like why we get so offended when we start talking about finances. You know why we get so offended when we talk about finances? Because we take so much substance in finances, but that's not God's will for you. That's mammon's will for you. God says, if you will bring back what belongs to me, I will open up the flood. That doesn't even make sense. Like, if you'll bring me what's mine back to me, I'll open up the floodgates and bless you with something that you will live the blessed life. More than you can even handle, I will bless you. If you'll just do this one thing, and then... I'll rebuke the devil on your behalf. Like the enemy's not going to have any influence on your finances, on your future, on your faith, on your family. All you got to do is tithe and I'll open up windows and rebuke the devil for you. How good is that? And yet, and yet we get offended when we start talking about finances. Who cares? The piece, have you ever looked at a dollar and thought, this is what rules the world? Like that blows my mind. That this minted piece of paper, given authority by man, is what controls so many people. The reason is that mammon is not money. Mammon is a spirit. And mammon tries to take the place of God. It will promise you everything that only God can give you. Pastor Jimmy Evans, let me say that again because that hit somebody. Mammon will promise you everything that only God can give you. Let's elaborate. Pastor Jimmy Evans, founder of Marriage Today, says, Mammon promises us 
those things that only God can give. What are those things? Security, significance, identity, independence, power. That's, that's from God, by the way. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the antithesis of the Holy Spirit. That we think because we have more money, we have more power. When Jesus clearly said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Not from how much you have in your bank account. Power, I'm sorry, I'm passionate about this piece. And freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not where the spirit of mammon is. Mammon tells us that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. Watch this. Mammon stands in direct opposition to the spirit of God. Mammon says buy and sell. God says sow and reap. Ammon says, get and take, and God says, give and receive. Mammon tells you that if you just had more money, you'd have more influence. Your relationship problems would go away. You could have anybody or anything that you wanted. Life would be sweet, and you would be set. Can I tell you today, just as honestly and, and, and blatantly as possible, is that not one time in the Gospels do you ever see Jesus asking for more money in order to reveal more power, in order to build the kingdom to a greater level. Not one time, not in one place. In fact, Jesus took money from a fish's mouth just to show that he was that much more powerful, that that thing did not have dominion over him. So here's what we need to see today. We need to see that it's possible for believers, children of God, to become influenced by the spirit of mammon, just like the Babylonians, without even realizing it. Chris, why do you think it's a spirit? Because money doesn't have a voice. But every time that God gets on this platform and asks you to give into something, the spirit of mammon starts telling you the reasons that you can't. That's not money. That's a spirit. Every time that the spirit of God moves on you to be obedient in your finances, the spirit of mammon begins to justify all the reasons that that person's not right. The spirit of mammon begins to give you excuses, justifications, for why you can just keep on in the same direction that you're in, in your finances. God doesn't expect all that. That voice is not the voice of God. See, we have the opportunity to break the spirit of the Antichrist today. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? Well, the Antichrist doesn't come with nuclear war as his threat. The spirit of Antichrist comes by threatening your ability to buy and sell. Because the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of mammon. And the spirit of mammon says, if I can control your finances, I can control your faith. But God says, if you'll give me what is mine, I will release you from that spirit. If you'll bring the whole tithe and then be obedient to my voice, offerings, you will not be bound by that spirit.
Question number two. Is money evil? Is money evil? Well, let's look at God's word and see what it says. Many of you know this scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Then you find, finding more substance in your finances than you find in your father is the root of all evil. Paul's telling Timothy that if you can get your finances life right, then you can get your immorality right. If you can get your finances right in the kingdom of God, then you can get your addictions right. Because if you can find obedience in this area, then you won't be bound in any other area. Because the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Let's go back to Luke chapter 16, verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now, it's easy to read this scripture. I'm like, okay, I can buy friends. That's cool. Hey, here's 20 bucks. You want to be my friend? Yeah. (laughs) But that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is, If you'll take what God has given you, if you'll take that unrighteous mammon, that money, and invest it into his kingdom, then you will develop relationships that you didn't even know were possible. You will influence people that you would have never had the opportunity to influence. How else can you share the gospel with an indigenous person on the other side of the world, one of the 2.2 billion who have never heard the name of Jesus. Did you know that? That there are still 2.2 billion people. 2.2 billion. If you started counting right now, it would take you 15 years to count to 1 billion. But there's 2.2 billion people in the world today who still have not heard the gospel. And by giving your money your unrighteous mammon, you can play a part in making sure that some of them do. How cool is that? Where else do you find something like that? In what other area can you do something so simple and yet have such a phenomenal impact? God is the only one that can plunder hell with money. God is the only one that can turn a dollar bill into a saint that is saved and sealed for all eternity. He's the only one that can do that. The spirit of mammon can't do that. Champagnes can't do that. Whatever it is, and whatever which place you call that store this week, no matter what's on the sign, Nobody can do that but God. Nobody can translate a piece of paper into a soul saved for eternity but God. Let me tell you this story, and it has to do with a a pastor before he was a pastor that left a tip. He was at a restaurant, and he had heard about this thing. You guys remember these? Some of you will remember. You remember the things called tracks? Like, not the things in your arms, but like the pieces of paper. The, the, 
The ones you like, you know, I call them like Jesus's justification for people that are too scared to share their faith. Like hand them a piece of paper. I'm sorry, if you did, I did it too. I'm just picking kind of. But, but they were tracks, okay? And so all you had to do was like, hey, I just felt like God laid it on my heart to give you this book. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and then they came up with a really brilliant idea. They made tracks look like $100 bills, right? And all the Christians were leaving those on the table. Don't do that. If you have those, go burn them. Not unless you're going to put a real $100 bill in it. Because you don't need to treat your servant like a servant, okay? You need to sow into that individual, not with a piece of paper that they're going to throw in the trash, but in a piece of paper that they would say, hey, look, you actually cared about me because you were willing to invest in me. That's not an investment to throw a piece of paper on the table and turn around and walk out. It's an investment to reach into your pocket and do what God tells you to do for that person and pray with them before you leave. That's an investment, so this pastor, he had these tracks, but he didn't like to just leave the tracks. He, he wanted to, you know, he did something. That's, this day, he left a $50 bill and put it inside of the track. And apparently, his, the waitress picked up the track. She read the track. She gave her life to the Lord. And this doesn't happen all the time. This is an, an interesting story. She got in touch with the church that was on the track who got in church with the pastor that would be. And this lady told the pastor, listen, I read that, that thing you put on the table, and I, I gave my life to the Lord. Like, I, I prayed the prayer at the end, and, and I've been going to church ever since. And I, I, and I even called my husband, and I, I, I read it to him, and I prayed with him, and he gave his life to the Lord too. And, and the pastor says, well, who... Who, where's your husband? Why'd you have to call him? See, he's in prison. And I, I called him, and I read him this track, and, and he gave his life to the Lord in prison. And the pastor testified that three years later, the man got out of prison, and he baptized him and his wife, who were now believers, on a Sunday morning in their church, and they're still going to that church today because of a $50 bill placed inside of a track. Can you imagine what the conversation is gonna be like in heaven if he'd have never met that person? Like all the people that you could influence if you would just be willing to not hang on to what God's calling you to let go of, if you'd just be willing to give more than you receive and use your finances to build the kingdom of God, use what he's given you to help build what his heart is for, uh, for our generation in this day and time. Can you imagine just the $20 bill, the $10 bill, whatever, the prayer with the waiter or the waitress, and the person that comes up to you in the kingdom of God and, and knows who you are because of what you did, because we're in the fullness of knowledge, and they walk up and they're like, hey, Joe, man, thanks for the $50 tip. Like, you see me and all these people behind me? It was all because you left the $50 tip on the table. It's all because you were willing to let go of that unrighteous thing that God would use to build people in his kingdom, not to buy friends, but to build his kingdom because you were willing to let that go and lay that down. Me, my family, and all these people that we had influence over in the kingdom today. Thanks for the $50 tip. How incredible. Only God can turn finances into faith. Question number three. What should I do with my money? Now, I know, listen, I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are sitting there thinking, listen, this is a really good message, preacher boy. 
But uh, I got a little too little of this unrighteous mammon to really have much effect here. <laughs> like this unrighteous mammon thing is not, it's not really holding me because I don't have enough of it, <laughs> right, to really matter. But do you remember the widow with the two mites? Do you remember the widow that just had two little, what we would call pennies left, and she just threw that? And Jesus pointed that out and said, look, that's the kingdom of God right there. When all these other people are going, look what I give, look what I give. Look at me, hey, look, I give so much, I do so much. And this little lady in her humility as a widow comes before God and just gives her all. What do I do with my money? The spirit of mammon is saying that you don't have enough to make it matter, make a difference. That's not the spirit of God. Here's what the spirit of God says, because the spirit of God always abides by his own word. In Luke 16, verse 10, we're still in the same passage. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. So you can never say that I don't have enough to matter. Because the Bible says that he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. But he who is unjust, and and that's interesting, because he didn't use the word faith in this part. See, it took faith, took faith to give what is least, but to hold on to what is least, God says is unjust. So that's where the fact that God is, yes, God is love and he is merciful and he is gracious, but he's also full of truth and he is just. And when we are unjust, even unjust in what is least, we are also unjust in what is much. Malachi chapter 3 says it probably as good as anywhere. But Malachi the prophet says, would you rob God? Would, would you rob God of what belongs to him? And we see this before Malachi ever said it. When God says it to Joshua, he says, my people have stolen from me. Um, John Maxwell who is like Mr. Leadership of the 21st century. He was pastoring and he had a guy in his church, according to his testimony, that um, he, would, he was making $500 a week. And he came to John Maxwell and he said, listen, I, I, I have a, man, I'm having a hard time. Like, it's only 50 bucks, but, but man, it's, I only make $500 a week, so 50 bucks, man, that's a big deal to me. And John Maxwell, you know, he encouraged him, like, look, just, just give the 50 bucks, man. It, look, if, if at the end of a few months, like six months, if, if you're not satisfied, we, we'll give it back to you. If, if you don't see God move on your behalf, when you tithe and you bring the whole tithe back to the storehouse, then, then, then we'll give it back. Well, a little while went by, and this guy was a business owner, and he went from making $500 a week and making $5,000 a week, okay? And, and so he comes back to John Maxwell, and he says, Pastor, listen, man, I, like, I got the $50 a week thing. Like, I got good at it. Like, it was no big deal. It was like 50 bucks, right? $500 a week, 50 bucks, no big deal. 10%, I got that. I can do it, and I got good at it, 
But man, I am making, I need you, I need you to pray with me, Pastor, because I'm having a hard time. Like $500 a week? I'm making $5,000 a week, but man, $500 a week? I'm writing $500 a week checks to the house of God? Like, I need you to pray with me. I need you to help. He said, John Maxwell said, okay, listen, I'll pray with you. Let's, let's pray. So he said, Lord, I pray that you would help your son go back to making $500 a week so that he would be able to tithe according to your word, that $50. No, 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 Lord, don't do that. Like, I'll give. I can, I can do it. I can, I can give it. Pastor John, if you'll come. The Bible says bring. Come on, don't let me lose you here. The Bible says bring. The whole tithe. Have you ever, that wording right there in Malachi chapter 3, he doesn't say give. He says bring. Why does he say bring and not give? Why do we not? We're very intentional. Like we talk together and like, listen, don't say we're going to take up tithes and offerings. We say we're going to receive tithes and offerings. Don't say give your tithe. Say bring Because you can't, hear me, hear me, hear me. It is mine. I work hard for it. Yeah, well, who gave you your job and your ability to work? And if you're not careful, things fall down. No. (laughs) Listen, if you're not faithful, then the same God that gave it can allow it to be taken and given to somebody else that will do the right thing with it. Now, this, that's not a threat. But, but here's why I said that. Hear, hear me, hear me, hear me. Let me just make it personal. I cannot give what's not mine. I can only give it back. So here's the example. I'll use Dustin because I'm excited to take him on a missions trip this summer. But let's say Dustin's going out of town and my truck's in the shop and Dustin knows that my truck's in the shop and he says, Pastor Chris, look, I really want you to use my vehicle. I'm going out of town. I don't want you to be, while your vehicle's in the shop, I want you to be able to use my vehicle. You you do what you need to with it. You know, Um, you don't even have to fill it back up. Thank you, Dustin. I appreciate it. It's so nice of you. I, I just drive all your gas and just leave it as is. And so Dustin goes out of town and He's gone for a few days, and I use his truck. I use his vehicle over and over, and I'm using his vehicle, and then he, he comes back, right? And so he comes to my house to get his vehicle, and, uh, and I answer the door. I'm like, hey, Dustin, what's up, man? He's like, oh, man, you know, I just uh, I'm coming by. To... And I interrupt him. I'm like, hey, Dustin, Dustin, listen, listen. I... <clears throat> Megan and I were praying while you were gone, and, um, man, we... We just really wanted to give you the keys to this truck. We just feel like that the Lord has led us to, to give you this, this truck. And Dustin's like, that you can't, it's my truck. Like, I gave it to you. I, I let you use it. <clears throat> but do we not do the same thing to God? Do we not have to stop and pray as to whether his word is still accurate today as it has been since the creation of time? Do we not have to stop and ask God, God, should I really tithe? Should I really, should I really give you my money? <clears throat> and God says, you're not. You're not giving me. You're not giving me. Even in the offering, you're not giving me your money. You're giving it back. 
You're returning. You're bringing it to the storehouse. Why? Because when you bring your tithe to the storehouse, when you bring it, it shows faith in the Father. It shows that we believe that He will release us from the spirit of mammon that wants to try to provide security and power and control. And we understand that those things only come from our Heavenly Father and He's the only one that can give it to us. It releases us from the spirit of the world and it puts the spirit of God back on our finances, even in our pocketbook. God wants to redeem every area of your life. Why is this guy talking about money? Because I've talked about forgiveness. I've talked about identity. I've talked about relationships. I've talked about your family. But if I don't discuss the one area that the United States of America is most bound by, then I let you walk out of this sanctuary every week thinking that you have a freedom that you are not currently operating in, and I will be held accountable for not communicating the whole gospel. Because in the gospel, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. And if your treasure is not in the kingdom of God, then neither is your heart in the kingdom of God. We see money the same way the world sees it, but heaven sees money as another tool that can plunder hell, flip it upside down, and change the number of souls who are going to each place. Do you not know that all we have to do is believe and live for Jesus and we get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him but if we don't in every area then we do not then we just don't in every area final verse Luke chapter 16 verse 11 therefore if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust true riches not God of mammon riches. Not the same riches that Babylon called a God, but true riches. What are true riches? Hang in there, watch this. True riches are the only thing that will last forever. We know that scripture says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall endure forever. Hang on, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. He was and is and shall forever be the Word. And the people that believe in Jesus and live for Jesus will also, like the Word, never perish. So what is the true riches that will last for all eternity standing and abiding in Christ and His Word? It is the people of God and the people that could be of God. It is not the mammon that we look at and find security in. It is not being set in this lifetime so that we never have to worry about another time or power. That is a mentality of the enemy of darkness. The mentality of God is, this is the last that I have to offer. 
I don't know how I'm going to feed my family tomorrow, but I'm going to be faithful in what is yours because I believe more in the Father than I do in my current financial situation. It applies to every area of life. So I want you to ask yourself today as we close, this is it. Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? If we sing, I surrender, Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? God just wants you to be free in every area. He wants you to be as free in your finances as you are in your faithfulness to your spouse. He wants you to be as free in your finances as you are from anger and wrath. He wants you to be as free in your finances as you are from partying and revelry just like the rest of the world. He wants you to be free. If you will, just bow your head with me and close your eyes this morning. See, this morning, this morning, it, it's not about what you believe. It's about who has control of your life. That's what God is asking today. Not just in finances, but in every area. Because the word of God says that many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out many demons and perform many miracles? And the Bible will say, Jesus will look at those people and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So my question today is not, do you agree with the Jesus of the Bible? Do you accept that that's true? But do you believe? Do you believe so much that he has control of every area of your life? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Listen, if there's anybody in here, I, I, I just, I want to start doing this as often as possible. I've been trying. But if you're in here today and you don't, you don't really know, well, how do you know? The Bible says you know that you know if you keep his commandments. And so if you're sitting in this room right now and you're saying, look, I don't know. I don't know. forbid if today were to be my last day I don't know like I've doubted I wonder I don't know if I'm saved if my relationship with God is right I don't know if something happened and I had to for some reason stand before him I don't know what he would say because my life doesn't look like his word. Is there anybody in here, would you just admit, 
the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart and that's you. Nobody's really looking around. It's We're having a moment with Jesus. Would you let us know, because I just want to pray in a minute. I'm going to pray that we settle all of these things. And, and I just want to know like that you're saying, hey, count me in that prayer. I, I want to be counted in that prayer. I'm going to pray it with you, and, and I want to be counted. Is that you? If you don't know and you would like to know, would you just lift your hand right where you are? It's very simple. All you got to do is just real quick, just put it up. You can put it right back down. Anybody? So everybody in here knows? Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? Don't sit there and and rob God the opportunity to save you, set you free. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I don't really know. I want to know. I want to know today. I want to leave here and know. This is not between you and the girl sitting next to you. This is between you and God. This is not between you and your parents or your grandparents. It doesn't matter what their relationship was with God. It matters what your relationship is with God. Anybody else? I count me in that prayer. Pastor, count me in that prayer. Church, would you pray this prayer with me today? And if you raise your hand, and and even if you didn't, it's a very simple prayer, but we call it a prayer of repentance. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray this prayer with us today? Jesus, today, I invite you to take control of my life. Forgive me for where I fall short and I try to do things my way. Help me to repent, to change my mind, turn to you. I'm choosing to follow you and your ways. Take my life and make it yours. Save me. Fill my heart with the desire to follow you and achieve your will for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, even if you didn't raise your hand, even if you didn't, we, we want you to fill out the card in front of you during this time. I'm going to let these guys just play and lead us through one more song. And, and I want to do something a little bit differently this morning. I want our a couple up here. We just want to make it as easy as possible. It's okay, Miss Angie, just come up because some people make people from. Listen, we just want to make it as easy as possible. We're going to play one more song. We're just going to kind of worship for just a couple more minutes. And uh, during this time, If you prayed that prayer and you want to let somebody know, then go to these people. If you prayed that prayer and you just want to fill out the card because you don't really feel like like getting out and then really telling anybody yet, you can it's okay. You can fill out the card and we're gonna contact, we'll get in touch with you. We're not gonna like pester you or you know stalk you or anything like that. We just want to connect with you. But the final thing, and I and I believe this is probably a lot of people, it's kind of why I kind of spread these people out. If if the Holy Spirit dealt with you in anything this morning, in any area, as we play this last song, if you would go to one of these people and just let them pray with you, just tell them, just because you need to confess it, not keep it. You need to confess it. When you confess it, you let it go, and you don't have to hang on to it any longer. 
So if you'll go to one of these people or maybe even come up to the front and just confess that thing, you can leave it in here today and God will deal with it. These people will pray with you and you can leave here and you don't have to think about it anymore. You don't have to carry it anymore because you passed it. You passed it. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray and we're going to go into one more song and it will dismiss today. Father, I love you and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to just be in your presence. I thank you, Jesus, for your word today and I pray right now that it would not return unto you void. I pray that if there's anybody in here that was dealt with in any way and they would like to share it with somebody, God, that they would just take the next step and fill out a little piece of paper that could let us know or go and share their heart with one of these people that they don't even maybe know, but that they just want to share it with somebody because they're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that they know that they're in right relationship with you. They don't want to wonder any longer. They want to know. So God, today, I pray that you would help them know in Jesus' name. Come on, just go. Just move. Just worship. Everything and nothing less. My best. My own. You deserve my every breath. My song everything and nothing less with you maybe this afternoon before they leave this evening before they go to sleep God that they wouldn't go another day without settling it and just asking for forgiveness and saying Jesus take my life and make it yours Lord I I also pray that if there's anybody in here that has done that and yet they have not been baptized in water that they would sign up and we would be able to get in touch with them and baptize them and celebrate their profession of faith in you Celebrate externally what you've done and are doing internally in their lives and in their hearts. And I pray that we would take that next step and follow you in believer's baptism and that we would get to celebrate together here in a couple of weeks everything that you're doing in this place and in the hearts of people. I pray, Lord, right now, would you just kind of hold your hands out like I'm giving you a gift. This is the last thing we'll do today. Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us and that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us. I pray that you would lift up your countenance upon your people and help us to go in your peace today. I pray that we would be blessed in our going and blessed in our coming back and everything that we put our hands to would be blessed. Father, I pray that the discipline of your son would be placed upon our lives. 
and that we would follow him with all of our hearts. I pray that you, in in our obedience, you would anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways. And God, I pray that not only we would inherit the kingdom, but that you would empower us by your spirit to influence others and be a witness for you. God, so that we could reach those who don't currently know you, that we could minister to those that need to be ministered to because they're hurting and they're looking for a reason to live, and we have that reason. God, I pray right now that all of these things would be sealed by your word, and that word would not return unto you void. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, listen, if you filled out one of those cards, if you'll turn it in in the back, we'll give you a free gift. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We look forward to getting to know you better and moving.